started, I'm going to remind you, I want to tell you about a couple of things. Um, Wednesday nights, Pastor Allen has said, is for believers. And so um, if you're not a believer, it's okay. You can still stay. <laughs> but, but um, what I want you to know is in Hebrews, it says, um, for everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are full of age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. Okay? So solid food is not for babies. Solid food requires us to do something with it, which is chew it. Yeah. Chew it, move it around, digest it, right? And... and in um, Acts 17, they, the, Paul went away to Berea. And when they got to Berea, and they were in the synagogue, synagogue of the Jews, Acts 17.11 says, These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. So, what we have is, you got to chew what's coming out at you, at you on Wednesday nights. You're going to have to digest it, and you have to be like the Bereans. You have to kind of search it out for yourself and get into the scriptures. So what I'm going to talk to you about tonight is probably not something that you've heard taught in a while, and Pastor Allen's looking scared. And um, <laughs> so I want you to keep an open mind and don't shut me out when you hear what I have in the beginning of what I have to say. Why, why do I always do this? Is it my glasses? Can we switch? This? Okay, now let's see if I can use this and still talk. <laughs> yeah, I am Italian. We can't talk without hands or part of our hands or something like that. Okay. Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven. Um, just to give you an idea of what's happening beforehand, um, Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, and one of them is a lawyer, and says, to him, uh, says uh, what are the greatest commandments? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. Okay. He did Okay. He he said this my husband shook his head at me. Um <laughs> He's still chewing. Okay. Leviticus, this came out of Leviticus. In Leviticus 19. So God gave the Israelites the 10 commandments and then he gave them some moral code. How do you apply that to your life? And he, in Leviticus 18, he said, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Okay. Love your neighbor as yourself. Now let's go back. Love your neighbor as yourself. First thing that I want you to see is that God in Jesus gave us two commandments. Love God. Love your neighbor. And he had an assumption thrown in there. He assumed that you loved yourself, that you love yourself. And 
a lot of us in this room don't really love ourselves. In order to fully understand this scripture, we have to understand what God meant, what Jesus meant by who is our neighbor and what is love. We can go back to, to Exodus. In fact, I'm going to tell you right now, um, Jameson's commentary said the word neighbor is used as synonymous with fellow creature. The Israelites in a later age restricted its meaning as applicable only to their fellow countrymen. Exodus 23.4 says, If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him again. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying under its burden and you would refrain from helping it, you shall surely help him with it. I think he might be saying, do good to your enemy. Okay, that's what it sounds like to me. Um, Job, Job says, if I've rejoiced at the destruction of him who hated me or lifted myself up when evil found him, he's questioning, have I done this? Have I, have I said bad things about my enemy? Indeed, he says, 31, 30, I have not allowed my mouth to sin by asking for a curse on his soul. Proverbs 25:21 If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. If he's thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will, renew, will reward you. Okay. Clarification here on who our enemy is. When you heap the coals of fire on his head, you are not bringing down God's vengeance. <laughs> okay? Um, Clark, in his commentary, says, uh, this is not to consume, but to melt him into kindness, a metaphor taken from smelting metallic ores. Okay? And uh, Wes- S. Wesley, he quotes, uh, Clark quotes, quotes Wesley, a little poem he wrote, which gives us a real clear picture of what that coals on the head means. So artists melt the sullen ore of lead by heaping coals of fire upon its head. In the kind warmth, the metal learns to glow, and pure from dross, the silver runs below. I can give you more scripture to give you an understanding, but our neighbor includes our enemy. It's all peoples, enemies, strangers. Um, the Israelites are the one who decided that since God didn't specifically say love your enemy in that particular scripture, they believed that it was implied to hate your enemies. So Jesus clarifies this in two places. He says uh, in Matthew 5, when he's doing the Sermon on the Mount, verses 43, 46, he says that you've heard it said, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. 
But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do the good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And then in 46, he says, if you love the, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And they hated the tax collectors. They were collecting the Roman tax. They thought they were traitors. The Jew, some Jewish people were collecting the Roman tax from the Jewish people, and they felt like they were traitors. They were the scum of the earth. So, you know, they're doing the same. They like their friends. And then Jesus talks, that's one example, and then Jesus talks about the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we all know that. It's found in Luke 10. And what he says is, A man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among thieves, who stripped him of his clothing and wounded him and departed and left him half dead. And now a priest came down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side of the road. And then a Levite, when he came to that place, he came and he looked. There's that guy lying on the road. And uh, he passed on by on the other side, too. Then a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. And remember, you have to remember that the Samaritans and the Jewish people did not quite get along. Okay. There was no love lost between them. So... The Samaritan went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, two monies, two pieces of money, and he gave them to the innkeeper, and he said, take care of him, and whatever he needs, whatever you, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. Wow. So which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And the answer, he who showed mercy on him. And Jesus said, go and do likewise. So now we have an understanding of neighbor. What is love? Let's move on to talking about love because we've got to come back to the scripture that love your neighbor as yourself. In in the Greek, there's four words to talk about love. In the English English language, we have one, and it encompasses all of those words. Um, Rick Reiner, in his book, Sparkling Gems from the Greek, gives us these four words. Agape is the highest form of love, a self-sacrificial type of love that moves the lover to action. In contrast... Eros is a self-seeking love. Stergo is limited only to one's family. And phileo is based on mutual satisfaction and can feel disappointment. So here we have four different loves and, and an explanation from Rick on the meaning of those. We have Eros, which is a sexual love. Physical attraction, we get the word erotica from that. Phileo is the love for family and friends. Feelings, it's based on feelings. You wouldn't phileo an enemy, okay? Uh, Storge, which is a devotion type of love. In fact, uh, uh, he further, Rick Reiner, I like the way he puts it, it's like 
the love your dog feels for you as his master. <laughs> it's a devotion. Okay. And then we have agopeo, which is the unconditional love that's not dependent upon a return. Okay. Now, love has been so contaminated by our culture that it's come to mean whatever makes us feel good or whatever in and of itself feels good. When it ceases to feel good, we fall out of love. Agapeo love is not about feelings. It's about choices, decisions, and commitments. It has to become second nature to ourselves and to others. This, there's one scripture that talks about in the last days, because I just want to throw this in so nobody comes up to me and goes, yeah, but what about the scripture that says, 2 Timothy 3 says in the last days, um, men will be lovers of themselves. The love used in there is the phileo love, not agape or agape love. God doesn't say to us, I don't feel like loving you today. You shall love the Lord God with all your heart. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These three things, these two commandments, and this assumption that we love ourselves are all intertwined and interrelated. One cannot exist without the other. They are mutual manifestations of the love of Christ in our life. In other words, we can't love God without loving ourselves and loving others. We can't love ourselves properly if we don't love God or love others. And we can't love others without loving God and loving ourselves. So there, it's, this, it's this circle that's so dependent upon everything. Um, God gave me a word uh, during worship one time about this. And he said that Jesus connect, you know, what I, what I was getting from him was that he gave us the commands of love the Lord and love your neighbor as yourself. And he connected these as the cornerstone to the 10 commandments. Um, but inside of these is the assumption of loving yourself. And if we carry it further, how can we love others as ourselves, if we don't love ourselves, what steps do we have to take to love ourselves? Has the world so polluted the meaning of love that we cannot get to a point of loving ourselves? Do we confuse selfishness with love or love with selfishness? Do we equate love with worthiness or worthwhileness? And if we love ourselves, are we conceited? We are if we don't love God, <laughs> because they're all interconnected with each other. So we have to love ourselves. The assumption is we do, but we're dealing with such a tainted form of love that's come through consumerism, through media, through just the tainting of words themselves down since the time of the New Testament that 
we have to have an idea within ourselves what it is about ourselves we don't like in order to fully love God and fully love others. And I have discovered, because guess what? I don't love everybody, and I don't love myself. (laughs) And, you know, I, I say I love God, but do I understand the depth of that agape love? It says that if I truly love others, I would lay down my life for them, which means I have to love myself the way that God loves me because I have to trust that I'm going to heaven when I die and that's a better place than right here and having fun with my husband and my friends, right? If a guy walked in here, in fact, I wanted to act this out, but I thought that if we did this, there's too many people that carry guns that somebody would get shot. But... What I wanted to do was have a gunman come in here. And pick somebody to kill. It would be all prearranged. And somebody step in between and say, well, I love you. I'll take the bullet because I love you and I love him. I don't want you to kill him, so kill me. And somebody who didn't even know this gunman or the person that was being shot. Do you see that kind of love, that we would love God so much that we would lay down our life for somebody else, that we would trust God because we love him and we love ourselves because we trust God. This is so deep. Are you, you're going to have to chew on this for a while. But we have to get to a point where we can let go of the past the things in our life that are holding us back from the things that God wants us to do, the things that God wants us to accomplish, the lack of love in our life will manifest as an inability or a deniability of the power of God in our lives. So we have to get to a point to where we can love ourselves in order to fully love God and fully love others. So whatever's in your past, whatever thing is in, your, in the current, whatever sin you're engaged in that you need to let go of, whatever thing in the past that happened that's holding us back, this is what we need to let go of. We need to speak words of life over ourselves and not death. The scripture that says, You shall not take vengeance nor bear any grudge against the children of your people. You are a child of God. You cannot hold a grudge against yourself. You can't berate yourself or belittle yourself. You have to, we have to, and do I don't have a full understanding. I'm preaching to myself, but you guys just get to hear. There. You know, God's idea of restoration and restoring us is so much more than we can even begin to understand here on earth. Just like Job was restored to more than what he had prior to his trials, God wants to restore us, restore our past, restore the mistakes we made, restore the things that we were involved in that we shouldn't have been involved in. He wants to restore us to more than what we had before. He wants us to fully develop our potential for the kingdom of God's purposes here on earth. 
And we cannot do that if we're dragging around our baggage from before. Whether the past is this morning or last night or 10 years ago, we cannot. We have to get to a point that when we repent, we repent, we say we're sorry, we tell God we're sorry, and we move on. If we, don't, if we continue to bring that self back into it constantly, if I keep going back to the cross with the same issues, with the same things that held me back last year, I'm never going to get to experience the new thing that God has for me. I'm never going to love myself enough to have the full manifestation of God's love in my life. If God can forgive us, then we have to forgive ourselves. If we don't forgive ourselves, then we're saying we know better than God. So forgiveness involves more than just saying it's sorry. We have to get to that new level of restoration okay, within ourselves. I'm talking about ourselves now. now I can go to God, I'm sorry I did that stuff. Um, but now I have to be restored. I have to move forward. I have to take an action. I have to realize that God has given me the capacity to forgive myself in order to get to that point of forgiveness. And through that, through that restoration, things, certain things should happen. If it's Greg I've offended, I should end up in a deeper marriage relationship with him. You know, if it's Janice I've offended, I should end up in a deeper friendship with her. You know, if it's myself, I should end up in a deeper love with Christ. Mm -hmm. So, through the process of sanctification, we have to allow God to deal with our shortcomings, whether it be subtly or with a (laughs) two-by-four. Some of us need the two-by-four. I need the two-by-four sometimes. And be willing to want to change, to allow God's love and allow my love for God to change me, not to leave me in the same place where I am. It takes discipline to love God. It takes discipline to love others. And it takes discipline, real discipline, to agape ourselves. We have to agape ourselves in a way that God does to us. This is not about going out and spending money or, you know, having a day at the spa or, because that's fun, but that's not agape love. Um, I know, I tried to fit it in, but it didn't work. Um, we have to receive the grace and mercy that God gave us for ourselves. And let it manifest inside of us first so that we can manifest it for other people. We cannot be a light if we're dragging around darkness. You know, and if we look at our sins and our, our, our grudges and our things that we're holding against our own selves, I didn't do that good enough. And, you know, you know I didn't have a dad. And, you know, my mom was mean. And, um, you know, that just resulted in me getting mad so I killed people. That's not accepting responsibility and moving forward and forgiving others so we can forgive ourselves so we can move on and love God, so we can love others 
and we can love ourselves. There are two things. I'm going to close pretty soon. The same thing that it means with Jeff. <laughs> um, I'm teasing. Uh, not about the closing. Uh, Kirk Franklin wrote a song, uh, sang a song. There's a recording of it, and I, I know a lot of people have seen it. He's sitting down at a piano. He's going to sing a song, and he sits down on that, at the piano. The song he's going to sing is Hero. And before he begins the song, he says, he says a prayer to God. God, help me to see myself as you, as, help me to see myself as you see me. Wow. We say that about other people. Oh, give me a heart for other people. Some of us need to be saying, God, give me a heart for myself. God, give me love for myself. Getting love from our mind, our lips, to our heart and hands is truly the epitome of the indwelling of Jesus and the Holy Spirit in us and in our lives. To move from a mind understanding of love to a heart and hand understanding is our own proof that the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings is residing and living and moving in us. Even if we feel that we are not loving enough or doing enough or showing love enough, that in and of of itself is proof indeed to ourselves that the overpouring of God himself is living and alive in us. Thank you so much. Hallelujah.